Welcome to the teaching ministry at Calvary Port St. Lucie. Please join Pastor Will Price for the message, The Grind. Can I tell you about my day yesterday to get started? Is that cool? So yesterday was one of those days that started off bad and no one was happy and then it got good, and then, and then we were happy, but then it got bad again, and we lost that happiness. And so basically, what happened is everyone in my family woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and we just were, we were just having conflict in our home. How many of you know about conflict in the home? Okay, so, so we're just conflict in the home, nobody's getting along, and so we ended up kind of going our separate ways. My son was playing Xbox, my daughter was watching Netflix, I was scrolling mindlessly on my phone, my wife was in the bedroom, and then there came this moment when my, my wife came out of the bedroom and she's like, okay, I'm, this, this isn't gonna work for me. We're all in, on our islands, you know, we're all doing our own thing. We need to do something as a family. This, you know, it's not working out. And so I'm like, let's go, let's do it, let's get out of the house. And so we packed up in the car. Um, we took some, um, some old clothes from our kids that we uh, had planned to donate. We drove down um, to Stewart and um, dropped off those donations at the Treasure Coast Foster Closet, and then we went to Chick-fil-A, and we ate some great food. And then after that, um, we went to 76 Golf World and um, bought tickets to play miniature golf. And so it was like the morning started off really bad. There was conflict, we weren't happy, but then we donated, we ate Chick-fil-A, and we were gonna play golf, and so we were happy. But wouldn't you know it, right when we got on that first hole, it started raining. And, and, I'm, and, and by raining, what I really mean is pouring, okay? And so then we're just not happy again. It's like, oh my goodness, we, like, our day was going great and now it's raining and we're just not happy anymore. Then we went to Culver's and we got, we got some ice cream and then we were happy again. You know what I mean? So, it, and it, isn't that how happiness is though? It, it comes and goes, it, and, it, and it really depends on our circumstances. I just wanna ask you this morning, are you happy? Don't answer out loud, okay, but, but are, are you happy? What makes you happy? And, and consider your life and your circumstances right now. And, and I want you to a- answer this question in your head. Are you happy? I would bet that some of you would say that you were happy a week ago, but then it happened. And now you're not happy anymore, right? Others of you would say, you know what? I went years where I wasn't happy, but now I've arrived because it happened. It finally happened, and now I'm happy. You know, the interesting thing about happiness to me is that we often view happiness as a destination at which to arrive or, or, or uh, a state of being that we want to achieve. And while happiness, um, we can't arrive at happiness, while we can achieve happiness, the, the, the truth of the matter is is that we're all one bad circumstance away from losing happiness, right? To me, going after happiness is like investing in a friendship with a fun but fickle person. How many of you have had friends that were fun, but man, they were fickle? Raise your hand, I know you're out there. 
Okay, we've all had friends like that. It's like when times are good, it's all fun and laughter, but man, when times go south, when life gets messy, and you need that friend in the trenches with you, they're nowhere to be found. And listen, I don't know about you, but I don't have time for fickle people, okay? I'd rather uh, invest in something that I can count on. And what I wanted to tell you this morning is that when it comes to happiness, you can't count on it. But there is something that you can count on that is like happiness, but is so much greater, and that is joy. Joy. And I know what some of you are thinking, aren't happiness and joy basically the same thing? My answer is no. They're actually polar opposites, and here's how. Happiness is based on circumstances that can change, while joy is based on truth that is unchanging. Okay, and, and, and let me just say this too. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to be happy. There's nothing wrong with pursuing a life of happiness, but what we really need in our lives is joy. And so what I wanna talk to you about today is how to have joy when there's not much to be happy about. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you love us, that you call us your sons and daughters. Thank you, God, that you bless us. Thank you that we can find happiness in life as you bless us. But God, if we're being honest, sometimes life gets messy. Sometimes we just feel like there's nothing to be happy about. And so I pray today, Lord, that through the adversity that we may be going through right now in our lives, through the adversity that we've been through, through the adversity that we're headed into, God, that you would help us know that we can find joy. Maybe not happiness, but God, help us to know that we can find the joy of the Lord through everything that we might go through in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my message today is The Grind. And here's the big idea. The big idea is that with or without Jesus, the grind of life is full of adversity. The difference Jesus makes is that you can have joy through the adversity. Let me say it again. With or without Jesus, life is full of adversity. The difference Jesus makes is that you can have joy through the adversity. Now, the reason I say with or without Jesus is because Christians and non-Christians alike face adversity throughout life, okay? Hard times, tough situations, the messiness of life. It doesn't discriminate based on your status with Jesus. Sadly, many people believe that getting into a relationship with Jesus will fix all of their problems and create a struggle-free life for them. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not true. We all struggle, we all face hard times, we all feel pain. With or without Jesus, the grind of life is full of adversity. Now when I say the grind of life, what I'm talking about is that commonplace, mundane, monotonous routine that we all find ourselves in from day to day. Now for some of you, the grind of life is being a student. How many students do we have in the room today? Okay, a few students across the room. So glad that you're here. 
For you, the grind of life is getting an education. And so Monday through Friday, you wake up, you eat breakfast, maybe grab some coffee, and then you go to school. And it's at school where you listen to lectures. And maybe you work on projects. Maybe you go home and you work on homework. Maybe the next day you take tests, but for you, you're trying to get an education. And so you stay on the grind to do that. Now, others of you, work. How many of you work? Okay, a lot of hands going up. Do we have a lot of retired people in the room today? I didn't see a lot of hands. That's interesting, but whatever. Uh, but, but, but for you, you, the grind of life for you is working, and so Monday through Friday or whatever your schedule is, you wake, you work, you sleep, wash, rinse, repeat, right? You gotta make that money, you gotta support yourself, you gotta support that family, and so you stay on the grind, doing what you do to earn money. Others of you, you stay at home and you homeschool your kids. Or maybe you're just a, a stay-at-home mom or dad. But for all of us, listen, we stay on the grind doing what we do to accomplish something. It's the grind of life. And it's in that grind of life that we face adversity. Life is full of adversity. Listen, y'all, relationships are messy. Can I get an amen? If you work, bosses can be hard to deal with, amen? And Pastor Mike, if you're watching online, I'm not talking about you, okay? <laughs> and, and, and some of you bosses in the room are thinking, hold on, employees are the hard ones to deal with, right? But, but, but there's just, just this adversity in life, right? It's all over the place. You, you, you might have a great job today, but you can lose that job tomorrow. You, you might study for a test all week, but end up failing that test and getting a, a bad grade, man. It's adversity, right? How many parents do we have in the room? Okay, how many of you parents know that sometimes your kids make bad decisions that affect you and that affect the whole family and just cause turmoil and adversity in your life, right? We love our kids, but man, they can be knuckleheads sometimes, right? Life is full of adversity. Life is full of circumstances that we don't like, that don't turn out in our favor. Life is full of adversity. Now here, here's, here's a great truth though. The difference Jesus makes is that you can have joy through all of the adversity. The difference Jesus makes is you can have joy, everybody say joy, joy. through the adversity. And what I wanna do this morning is I wanna consider the life of the Apostle Paul. And what we're gonna see with the Apostle Paul is we're gonna see his conversion to Christ, how that immediately he began to conform his life to the Lordship of Christ, and as a result, he faced adversity. But he was able to find joy through it all, okay? You guys with me? So we're gonna look at Paul, we're gonna see a conversion that leads to conformity, that leads to adversity, but a man who was able to maintain an attitude of joy through it all. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter nine. We're gonna begin in verse one, and we're gonna read all the way through verse 23. I know it's a lot of verses, but I think it's necessary for us to really understand what we're talking about this morning. Acts chapter nine, beginning in verse one. 
If you're new to the Bible, what you need to know before we jump in here is that right out of the gate, we're, we, we learned that a man by the name of Saul was up to something. What you need to know is that Saul became the Apostle Paul. And we see this in the Bible a lot where um, people had radical transformations in their life and they were given a new name. So as we go into this passage, if you're new to the Bible, just know that Saul later became the Apostle Paul. So let's look at the conversion of Saul. Verse one, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So what you need to know about Saul is that he was a Jew who did not follow Jesus. He did not agree with Jesus. And he was on a mission to arrest anyone who did believe in Jesus, okay? And so he's getting permission to go and arrest anyone belonging to the way, meaning anyone who believed that Jesus was the way, okay? You guys with me? Verse three, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Verse seven, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord, as if to say, at your service, right? Follower of Jesus, sold out to God. God calls on him. He says, here I am, Lord, at your service. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision that you're gonna come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now, watch this. Ananias says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. So he goes from, yes, Lord, at your service, here I am, Lord, to time out. You just asked me to do something really hard, and I don't think it's a good idea. Are you really asking me to go to a man whose mission is to have me arrested and killed? Right, Lord, I've heard a lot of stuff about this guy, how much evil he's done to guys like me. Verse 14, and, and, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go. 
Parents, you ever had that moment with your kid where you're like, little Johnny, listen, here's what I need you to do. And I know that mowing the, the lawn and, and weed eating, it's gonna be hard, but I need you to do it. And Johnny's like, but dad, that's gonna be hard. I don't wanna do it. Nah, 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 nah. Why, 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 why? And you go, go, now. That's, my, that's, that's how I envision this is going down right now. Time out, Lord. No, I, 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 don't, I don't wanna do this. This is too hard. Go, right? God says, go. Why? Because I've chosen him as an instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. What's God saying? God's saying, I know that Saul was on a mission to arrest and kill people who follow my son Jesus, but now I've put him on a new mission. He's a child of mine. He's been converted, right? Verse 17, so Ananias departed and he entered the house and laying hands on Saul, he said this, and this, I love this. He said, brother Saul. Isn't that cool? First, he's looking at Saul as an enemy. Now, he sees him as a brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales from his eyes uh, fell and he regained his sight. So, so, so you guys with me? So I know this is a long story, but what, what we're seeing so far is we're seeing a man who was opposed to Jesus coming to faith in Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus and it radically transformed him and he converted to a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, what we're gonna see is we're gonna see Paul immediately beginning to conform to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Look what it says there. It says, then he rose and was what? He was baptized. We saw baptisms earlier. What were they doing? They were saying to us and to the world and anyone who wants to watch that I, I, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I trust him with my life. I'm buried with him in the likeness of his death and I'm raised to new life in the likeness of him being raised to new life. It's, it's a proclamation to the world that we are his, that we wanna follow him. That's what Paul was doing. He was converted, right? And then immediately he began to conform to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He ate, he was strengthened. Verse 19, it says for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. Ladies and gentlemen, that's fellowship, right? Something else that we are called to do is we conform to the lordship of Christ. We're, we're called to fellowship with other believers. Verse 20, immediately he did what? He proclaimed Jesus. That's evangelism. Do you see it? He's conforming to the lordship of Jesus. He's proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is the son of God. Verse 21, and all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? Like, who, like what's gotten into this guy, right? He, he, he was breathing murderous threats against the people of, of, of Jesus. And now, oh my goodness, look at the change in his life. Look at the conversion. Look at, look at, look at the way that he is conforming to this idea of Jesus. 
Verse 22, it says, but Saul, he increased all the more in strength, that spiritual growth, that's influence, right? And it says this, he confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. That right there is apologetic evangelism. That's contending for the faith. You see it? This guy went from not following Jesus to being converted to a Jesus follower, immediately he began conforming to the Lordship of Christ and then this is what happens. Verse 23, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Do you guys see it? Okay, so, so if you're with me, say, I'm with you, pastor. Okay, I wanna make sure that you guys see this. I know this is a long story, okay? What are we talking about today? We're talking about the fact that with or without Jesus, life is full of adversity. But the difference Jesus makes is that we can have joy through the adversity, okay? You guys got that point, right? Okay, so so now listen to this. Conversion to Christ leads to conformity to the Lordship of Christ leads to adversity, Okay, here's the thing. Paul had a radical conversion. He immediately began to conform. As a result, he experienced adversity. Now, fast forward to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, okay? Paul's in prison as a result of his conformity to Christ. He's going through adversity, and he's writing this church One, to thank them for a gift that they sent him while he was in prison suffering, but also to talk to them about the fact that they can have joy through the adversity that they might be going through. You guys following this, you see this? This guy converts, he conforms, he goes through adversity, and then he writes this letter to the Philippians about how they can have joy through the adversity. Listen to what he says. He says, but whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see that attitude of joy there? He's writing from prison, y'all. He's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked. I mean, like the, the stuff hit the fan for this guy, and yet this is his attitude. He says, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, but who cares, right? It's all rubbish. Why? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, verse 10, watch this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so for Paul, rather than allowing the circumstances in his life to drive him to despair, he was able to maintain an attitude of joy, and what he's doing is he's appealing to his brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi to share in that joy. And so, so here, here's what I'm saying. When we consider the life of Paul, what we see is a man converted to Christianity, a man conforming to the Lordship of Christ, and it leading to adversity. And yet, it's in that adversity that Paul is able to find joy, okay? Now, I just wanna kinda just kinda go aside from what I'm talking about here and and just say something to you guys. Sadly, in many churches across the world and in many gospel conversations, if we wanna call them that, around dinner tables and at Starbucks, that right there is not taught. It's, It's just not being taught. 
What's being taught in our world is that God is love and that he wants to bless you. And while that might be partly true, it's not the full truth. And it's definitely not what we see when we consider the life of Paul. Because what we see when we consider the life of Paul is that there's really good news about converting to Christianity and conforming to Christ, but there's also some bad news too. And that is that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we will face adversity. We will get into trials and tribulations. Okay, so there's good news when it comes to the cross, but there's also bad news. What's the good news? Well, the good news is that God so loved you and he so loved me that he gave his one and only son. And what did he give him to do? Well, he gave his one and only son to die for you and to die for me. How did he do that? He did it on a cross, right? He took your sin and my sin upon himself, taking the punishment that we should have had. He he took it upon himself. He died for you and he died for me. And, And the Bible says that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Y'all, that's good news we're celebrating this morning. Come on, let's clap for the Lord and what he's done. So, so, So listen, God is love, okay? The cross absolutely represents love. In fact, it's the greatest expression of love of all time. There's nothing that can beat God's love. But there's bad news that comes with it. And the bad news is that when we convert to Christianity, Jesus calls us as his followers to then take up our cross and follow him. Okay, and so he says, listen, he, just imagine Jesus on the cross. He's, and what he's saying is he's saying, on this cross, I'm loving you with everything that I've got. I'm loving you through the pain. I'm loving you through the struggle to the point of my death. And now, if you wanna follow me, you gotta take up your cross. And what we have to understand is that that cross, though it represents love, it also represents suffering and death, okay? And everyone there around Jesus when he said, take up your cross, they would have known that. They would not have seen an image of a heart. They would have seen an image of an execution device. Okay, do you understand the cross was an execution device? And so really what Jesus was saying, again, imagine him on the cross as he's saying, here I am on this execution device and I'm loving you with everything I've got. I'm suffering, I'm going through pain and I'm gonna die for you. And now, if you wanna follow me, you need to take up your execution device and you need to suffer for the sake of my name. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's, That's the fullness of this whole God thing. That's the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that when you convert to him and begin to conform to him, you're gonna suffer for it. You're gonna face adversity for it. But here's the greater point that I'm trying to explain to you this morning. The greater point that I'm trying to explain to you is that we can have joy through that adversity. Okay, it, it's, it, it's good news that Jesus died for us, but it's bad news because we're gonna suffer, but really, it's, it, it ends up being good news because in the end, God wins, and with God, we win. John Piper says it, 
said it this way. He said, the more serious we become about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world and reaching the unreached peoples of the world and exposing the works of darkness and loosing the bonds of sin and Satan, the more we will suffer. Okay, Paul knew that all too well. And so when we consider the life of Paul, what we find is, is that getting into a relationship with Jesus, man, it's so, so good. But that conversion and that conformity that we're called to leads to adversity, but we can have joy through the adversity. Here's the deal. Some of you are here this morning and you're not experiencing joy through the adversity. Have you converted? Maybe. Are you conforming? Maybe, I, I, I don't know. But I know this, with or without Jesus, you're gonna face adversity all throughout your life. Why is it that some of us are, are, are able to go through the trials and tribulations of life with joy? Why are some of us able to sing songs of praise in, in the midst of great struggle? And, and why are some people not? What, what is it about joy that we're missing? Why, what, 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 is the, what is the key to joy? Why are some of us not experiencing it? Well, I, I think of it like this. Have you, have you guys ever found yourself running late because you lost your car key? How many of you? It's frustrating, isn't it? You gotta be somewhere. You know that your vehicle is essential to get you there. The problem is your vehicle needs a key to make it run, right? You gotta locate the key. And until you locate the key, you're stuck. Some of you this morning are stuck because you lost the keys to joy. You lost, see, here's the thing. Did you know that joy is like a vehicle that God has designed to carry us through hard times? Do you know that? Did you know, it, it gets better, did you know that God has a destination of victory on the other side of the struggle that you might be going through that he wants to carry you to and it's joy that's gonna get you there. The problem is some of you feel stuck today because you've lost the keys to that vehicle of joy. I just wanna encourage you with a verse right, right quick. First Peter 5.10, it says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Okay, I said it before, I'm gonna say it again because I think some of you missed it. God has a divine destination of victory and restoration for you on the other side of the struggle that you may be going through. Do you understand the problem is you, you've, you've lost the key. God's got a destination for you. How are you gonna get through this to the other side of it? It's joy. What's the key to joy? How do we live in the tension of a cross that equals love but also equals suffering? How do we, how do we unlock joy amid the struggle? What's the key to finding joy? I got three things for you and then I'll be done. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter one, two through four. I know this is a lot. Are you guys with me? All right. We're looking for joy, right? 
We're trying to find that joy in the struggle. I know it's hard. How do we find joy in the struggle? James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, say for you know. Can I just tell you this morning? It's about what you know. It's about what you know. You wanna find joy in the struggle? You wanna find joy? You wanna be able to go through adversity with joy? Ladies and gentlemen, it's about what you know. I've heard it said that what you don't know can't hurt you. But when it comes to this, what you don't know can hurt you. Some of you have gone into this whole God thing believing that it's gonna be a carefree, easy go at life because of Jesus. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because of something that you, for some reason, didn't know going into it. And that is that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. Because guess what? You're gonna meet a lot of trials. You're gonna face a lot of adversity. But you gotta know that this process is about producing steadfastness in your life. This process of adversity and struggle in your life, it's for your good. You gotta know that. You gotta know that. When it comes to adversity, know that it's coming. Know that it's coming and know that it's about your spiritual development, which leads to your next point. If you wanna find the key to joy through the struggle, you gotta trust that God is developing you. Trust that God is developing you. When I was a kid, we used to take pictures with a camera that had a roll of film in it. <clears throat> you kids in the room don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Camera with a roll of film in it. And, and, and once that, roll of film was full, what we would do is we would take it to the Photoshop to have it developed. You millennials with me? Okay. You had to have the film developed. And I remember as a kid, we would have birthday parties, soccer games, whatever it was, we'd be taking pictures. And I just remember as a kid, just getting excited about taking that roll of film to the Photoshop. And, and, and even though we had to wait seven days because we couldn't afford the three-day express develop, uh, even though we had to wait seven days, it was cool because it was just like, there was just this excitement and this joy about looking forward to those pictures that we could pick up. You know what I'm saying? But, but, it, but, but those pictures had to be developed. Now, uh, a days, thanks to advanced technology, we have instant digital pictures, right? We got iPhoto and, and whatever that inferior Android program is for using uh, pictures. But, but no, we have, we have, we could just take photos and there they are. We can snap a picture and, and we instantly see the results. And you know what I think? I think that a lot of us want that experience in our, our spiritual lives. We want an iPhoto experience when it comes to what God's doing. But we have to understand that this whole God thing is more like the old school way of developing film. And we need to trust that though life is hard, though, the, though, the, though there are adversities and struggles and pain, 
as we conform to Christ, we, we need to understand that, that God is developing us and that on the other side, like, one, like we have something to look forward to. On the other side of all this, we have something to look forward to. Listen, with that perspective, it, it just unlocks joy in the adversity. Because, because here's what happens. Instead of moping around and complaining about my present circumstances, I can have joy and get excited about the future because I know God's developing something beautiful. Does that make sense? And just a little side note to that. Do you realize that if you never went through adversity, if you never went through the developing process in the grind of your life, you would probably develop an unhealthy confidence in the things of this life. Do you realize that? Think about your relationships, the money that you have in the bank, the position that you have at work, the possessions in your life. If nothing ever went wrong with that stuff, if you never struggled in relationships, if you never had hard times with money, if everything just always worked out in your favor, you would develop an unhealthy confidence in those things. Listen to me, suffering, God, you convert, you conform, God says, now you're gonna suffer. You're gonna go through trials. You're gonna go through tribulations. Listen, it's all part of a developing process that causes us to hope more fully in God. We come to know God more when we share in his sufferings. And I'm telling you right now, some of the deepest Christians I know are the ones who have suffered deeply. So don't be surprised by the fiery trials that come upon you. Don't be surprised. Know that it's gonna happen. And know that God is using all of that to develop you and to take you to a future where he's gonna restore and confirm and strengthen you. It's something to look forward to, amen? Know that God is taking you there. Let that perspective give you joy as he takes you there. Here's the last thing. If you wanna find the key to joy amid the struggle, I wanna encourage you to occupy the grind of life with obedience to Christ. Occupy the grind of life with obedience to Christ. Students, occupy your time at school and with your friends with obedience to Christ. If you work, if you're, if you're in the workplace, occupy that grind of life and that grind of work with obedience to Christ. Wherever it is you are, whatever the grind of life looks for you, occupy it with obedience to Christ. And what I'm talking about when I say obedience to Christ, I'm talking about being a student of his word. I'm talking about being a person of prayer. I'm talking about having personal worship in your life, not just when you come here on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday too. I'm talking about serving the Lord. I'm talking about living like Paul when he was contending for the faith and taking a stand for Jesus. Occupy the grind of your life with obedience to Christ, because here's what I know. And here's kind of a side point to this point. I think we're gonna have it on the screens. Discouragement, doubt, and despair, which are the opposite of joy, rarely will exist where obedience to the Lord is preeminent. Uh, yeah, amen. 
That's good stuff, ain't it? I love it when God gives me stuff like this. I get so excited because I'm telling you this is so true. And, and, and let me just reference this with scripture. You're like, where do you get that from? Okay, you saying God just like gave you this? No, look at John 15, nine through 11. I'm telling you this jumped off the page to me this week. Like I've never seen it before. Look at this, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you. Stop right there. What did he just say? If you keep my commandments, you will abide, okay? If you obey me, these things I've spoken to you, that my what? My joy may be in you. That, that, that your joy may be full. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a direct connection between obedience to Christ and having joy when you're going through it, okay? And I'm just gonna be honest with some of you and say this, but, but some of you are struggling to find joy in the grind of life because obedience to Christ can't be found there either. And I love you with all the love in my heart. You need to hear this. And I'm gonna say it again. You can't find joy. Some of you can't find joy. You're struggling to find joy. You're walking around with discouragement and doubt and despair. You can't find joy in the grind of life because obedience to Christ can't be found there either. If you wanna find joy through the pain and the struggles that you're going through, you're going to have to find a way to obey Christ. You're going to have to make it a priority that you get into his word, that you become a person of prayer, that you have personal worship, that you serve the Lord, that you take a stand for Jesus wherever it is that you're in the grind of life. And I promise you, I promise you, if you'll obey Christ through the adversity, God will give you joy and he'll give you peace that surpasses your understanding. He says, abide in me and I'm gonna give you all not just joy, but a full portion of my joy. And, and not happiness that's based on circumstance, but joy that's based on my unchanging truth. Amen? And so if you're looking for joy in the day-to-day -day grind of life that's full of adversity, you gotta know that that adversity is there for the purpose of God developing you. And you gotta know that on the other side, of that struggle that you're going through. God has a destination of victory. He's got it there for you. What's gonna get you from here to there is this vehicle of joy that God has designed to get you there. Trust that he's developing you. Occupy the grind of life with obedience to Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So with or without Jesus, the grind of life is full of adversity, but the difference Jesus makes is that you can have joy through the adversity, okay? With or without Jesus. Some of you are here today and you are without Jesus and you're facing struggle and you're facing adversity, you're, you're facing pain. You know what's interesting? And, and, and this isn't true for, for, for all of our struggles. Sometimes life, just hands it to us, you know? Sometimes we have family members that die, sometimes there's just things that are outside of our control um, that cause us pain. But, but what's interesting is that without Jesus, 
a lot of the reason that we're facing struggles and pain and adversity in our lives is as a result of our own sin. And my prayer for you today, if you're here and you're without Jesus and you're going through struggles and pain and adversity, my prayer is that that adversity, that pain and that struggle will drive you to the foot of the cross where Jesus has loved you with everything that he's got. He has loved you. He has died on the cross for your sins. And if you would just come to the place in your life where you admit that, that you are a sinner, that you're not good. And if you'll just come to the place where you'll admit that he is good. And if you'll just come to the place where you just accept what he did on the cross for you then you can begin to reap the benefits of what I'm talking about today. You know what else is interesting? Without Jesus, a lot of the pain and the struggle that we experience is a result of our own sin. And, and, it, and, it, and it's that pain and that struggle that drives us to the cross, right? We convert, we begin to conform to Christ, and that leads to adversity. The difference is that with Jesus, the adversity that we face is usually not, sometimes it is, but it's usually not a result of our sin, but it's a result of our obedience to Christ. Does that make sense? The more you conform to Christ in a world that rejects him, the more you're gonna face adversity. Okay, but back to those of you who are without Jesus. If you wanna reap the benefits of what we're talking about here today, if you, want, if you want Jesus to be a difference maker in your life so that you can have joy through the adversity, you gotta surrender your life to him. So here in just a minute, Pastor Mike Lawrence is gonna come out. He's gonna have some closing comments. He's gonna invite prayer partners, pastors, and elders to come forward. And let me just tell you, if you want Jesus today, that's your opportunity to stand up, go against the crowd that's going that way, and come up here and talk to somebody about how to make Jesus a difference maker in your life. I, I plead with you, do not leave here without Jesus. Leave here with Jesus and begin to reap the benefits of a relationship with Jesus that includes joy through the adversity. God, I thank you so much for your word. It is truth, it's good. Sometimes it stings, but it's good. You take your word, you speak truth to us, you help us grow, you develop us, and we're thankful. God, thank you that though this life is full of adversity, there's joy amid the adversity. God, help us to know that adversity is gonna come. Help us to not buy into this lie that in a relationship with Jesus, life is a big bowl of cherries because it's not. Help us to know that we will face adversity, but help us to know, God, that you are developing us through the adversity, that you have a destination for us, a victory on the other side of adversity. And God, help us to just occupy our lives with obedience to you because we know 
that it's through obedience and trust in you that we're able to have a perspective of joy as we go through it. So God, we love you, we praise you, and it's in his name we pray, amen.